0: Angelicus Spurbs Herbs. Welcome to today's episode of Spurbs Herbs. We're doing episode 54. We're gonna be looking at an interesting formula. Humbei, mu, gua, bo, san, or Fritillaria and trichosanthus fruit powder. As always, I am your presenter, Dr. Greg Sperber. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Today, we're going to be looking at another Chinese formula from the formulas that moisten dryness and transform phlegm subcategory of formulas, fritillaria and trichosanthus fruit powder or beimu gualosan. This is a useful formula that does two almost opposite things, moisten dryness and transform phlegm. So that's, that's interesting. We're gonna explore the, the differences between those two. And as usual, we will be exploring something a little different. Today, we're actually gonna be talking about the creation myth in the Chinese uh, thought. So very interesting. So please stay tuned as we find out how a formula can accomplish two opposite goals and why we would want one to. So all that today. And appreciate you, you listening in. Before we get into that, I want to talk to you about my favorite course. And this is probably the last uh, episode I'm going to be giving this as a, a special. It is called Why Not How Herbs Work. And, and, and this is just a special course for those of us who have asked, why do herbs even help us? In other words, why do they have any effect on humans at all? We explore some really interesting territory in this course, including philosophy, talking about holism and reductionism, ecology as we discuss Gaia theory, evolution as we discuss coherent coupling and plant-human coalitions, and explain why herbs may do different things at different doses, which does play a role in all this, and that's known as hormesis and xenohormesis. And we will discuss the implications of each of these on current herb research and usage. This is an absolutely amazing journey that answers fundamental questions about herbalism and is absolutely a can't-miss webinar. If you hurry, you can get this webinar for one-third off. Instead of $30 for this two-hour continuing education course, it is only $20. Just go to www.integrativemedicinecouncil.org slash WHY to get this still. That's Integrative Medicine Council, C O U N C I L dot org slash WHY. So, as all cultures, the Chinese have an origin myth. Now, you know, one of the, the weird things about saying the Chinese at this period of time. Well, when this is first written down, we're about to find out China was, was established, was, was quite well established. But this is uh, an origin myth. It, it, it was, uh, you know, older and, and, and oral for a long time before it was written down. And, and with that, we have to think about, you know, who are the Chinese people? And that is a really deep question which we're not going to get into today but so what i'm saying is this is the origin myth for some of those people that probably got adopted into the sort of pan china as we go along so uh, this is uh, origin myth it's one heavily laden with taoist imagery and and philosophy so very taoist in its in its approach uh and and also as is common there are several versions of this myth and and this is probably based on other myths you know some of the the the, the uh, information i was gathering for this suggested that it might might be based on some hindu sort of approaches you know myth origins or very similar otherwise and the other they, they listed others that i wasn't real aware of as as well so you know it, it, this is one of those that goes back into the depths of time and as I said, originally it was an oral story. It was first written down in roughly two hundred and twenty to two hundred and sixty-three CE. That is, if you're, if you're, uh, well, no, I'm, I'm, that's so. That's it. It's often attributed to before the Warring States period, which is a lot, uh, a long time before this. It is important in both its Taoist underpinnings, but also its Chinese medical metaphors, and it involves uh, Pangu. So that is, uh, and, and this can be written as one word or two words. Sometimes you'll see it as a compound word, and that happens a lot in, in, in Chinese as it's, it's written in Roma- uh, Romanized characters. So pangu is comprised of the Chinese character meaning to coil, Pon, and gu meaning ancient. So ancient coiling, and you'll see with this origin story, that makes a lot of sense that this would, might be the name. And this is, this is one version, as I mentioned, it's, it's from Zhang and Rose. It, it's a short origin, so I've read a lot of them. And this seems to be like the, the most entertaining and most concise. Well, concise isn't the right word, but um, it, it just it seemed a little bit more appropriate as I was going through it. So like I said, lots of different versions. So here we go. So before the beginning everything was packed inside a giant egg the entire cosmos all matter energies spaces time numbers all were stuffed inside this egg it was packed so tightly that everything was inseparable now it, it would have not been possible to differentiate any one thing from any other now at this point i usually interrupt myself and say if if you're familiar with physics Sounds a lot like just before the Big Bang, um, where there was all the matter of the universe compressed into almost nothing. And so this is really interesting how much it parallels with modern uh, physics today. All right, back to the story. The name given to the substance that filled this egg is Yuanqi. This word has several renderings in English reflecting its several meanings in Chinese language and medicine. Its root meaning, however, is original chi. Also inside the egg was the giant, pangu. Pangu? Being in a state before anything existed, when there was nothing except the egg and pangu, the giant became bored, impatient, frustrated. He cracked the egg. First, an arm appeared, then a leg and another arm, and another leg, and the baby giant Pangu was born, founding a lineage destined to become nothing less than the people who tell his story. As he stood among the shards of the cracked egg and the escaping Yuan Qi, something new began to happen. The original Qi began to separate. Its lighter element rose and formed heaven. Its heavy and dense aspects sank and formed earth and Pangu stood astride heaven and earth. Where he walked, valleys were formed. As he wandered the new universe, his sweat became rivers, lakes, and the great oceans. His body hairs fell to become forests. Humans, taking not so illustrious a place, were the maggots that fell to earth from the giant's body. That is the origin story from Pangu. Like I said, there's... There's variations of this. One is that Pangu, this giant, was it w- uh, w- kept heaven and earth separated and with his strength. And so that was a slight variation of this. But most of it are somewhere in the ballpark of this myth. This creation myth helps establish some basic philosophy and concepts of Chinese medicine. And when I say helps establish, it just puts them in a little bit of context and it puts it um, it, 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 it it does kind of explain why maybe some of the thinking of, in Chinese medicine goes this way. And one of them is it reflects the holism of Chinese medicine and, and this idea that humans are a microcosm of the larger universe. So we're part of that whole chain of things. Qi in the universe and in the channels and network vessels in the human body is directly linked to the primordial differentiation of yin and yang, which is really important these are super important concepts in chinese medicine not just the in in chinese thought the cosmos doctors harmonize yin and yang and balance chi to bring order creation of waterways and geological features reflects channel and network vessel theory So that's an interesting way to look at it we're not going to explore these we're just kind of throwing them out as thought thoughts and the human body mirrors the natural world and human society. So that's, it's an interesting thing. This is where we start to see the influx of Confucianism and Taoism. So Taoism is very much about the natural world. And so when we say the human body mirrors the natural world, that's sort of a very Taoist approach to this. Um, and, and Confucianism was very much about Uh, society and and human's place in society and so we start to see human society come into this a little bit i don't think from this origin story but we start to see that and we see that more and more reflected in chinese medicine as we go along as well so um and and we there's lots of ways that happen you know for example each of the organs is considered uh uh minister in the government so for example the heart is the emperor and then we have the minister of ditches which in the minister of this and the minister of that and so uh that's sort of a very confucius uh Adlai, you know uh into chinese medicine and we see that starting to happen more and more in chinese medicine as confucianism becomes more and more the de facto standard of the chinese society so very interesting stuff but we'll get into that stuff later And at this point, without further ado, let's talk about today's formula. So that was our little something different. So today's formula is beimu gualo san, or beimu gualo san, and is translated as fritillaria and uh, trichosanthus fruit powder. Those are the herbs. Beimu is fritillaria, uh, and trichosanthus is is gualo, and san means powder. So it's very literal, no flowery which we often see in formulas, no flowery uh, language here. Part of that may be because it's, it's a little bit of a, of a newer formula, we're gonna find out the history of it in just a little bit, but it, it doesn't have that sort of ancient twinge of flowery language that we often see. Uh, a- another name for this, very similar, is fr- um, Fritillaria and Trichostanus fruit formula. Um, sometimes you might see decoction, uh, so very similar sort of things, is formula as we mentioned is in the subcategory of formulas that moisten dryness and transform phlegm. And that is a subcategory of formulas under the category of formulas that dispel phlegm. So the the way the books are organized is they have a big chapter and then they have subcategories under that chapter. So the chapter is dispel phlegm. That's the category that this is in. And the subcategory is moisten dryness and transform phlegm. And it really is the only formula within this this subcategory so this is the formula that moistens dryness and transforms phlegm uh, and and why is that weird because uh you know generally we think of phlegm as sort of condensed or even dry dampness or fluids so there's already sort of a dryness potentially implied with phlegm and so the idea that it's um moistening dryness and transforming phlegm I, and, and phlegm is is also very fluid so it's like it's adding fluids to fluids that are condensed it's it, it gets really complicated but we're going to see why this works and and so it's it's an interesting approach to how this works I, and chen chen is our our other major text that we we look at is is similar and places it in the subcategory of dryness moistening and phlegm dissolving formula is same thing just slightly different translation under the category of phlegm dispelling formula so rather than uh, dispel phlegm formulas it's phlegm dispelling formulas so very uh, very similar let's talk about these formulas that dispel phlegm and these formulas that that moisten um, dryness and transform phlegm so uh, before we get into phlegm from one of our herbal texts i do want to remind everyone we did discuss phlegm from a more Theoretical point of view in episode 32 when we discussed the formula Erchen Tang, or two-aged herb decoction that is if, if you look at phlegm that is sort of the Classic formula for phlegm and so we had to have a bit of a conversation now We're going to go a little bit deeper and look at it a little bit this is from the herbal books rather than from the, the You know theoretical textbooks and so it's a it's a little bit more practical in its approach And we're we're really going to take this mostly from Scheid and his team, um, which, again, is one of our major texts. And he describes this category the following way. Phlegm is a disorder of the body fluids that have become thick, dense, and turbid and interfere with the proper flow of chi in the channels, collaterals, triple burner, and organ systems. Like static or noxious blood, thus both the result of pathological processes and a cause of further pathology. It can be caused by externally contracted pathogens as well as internal damage and it may affect all parts of the body. Its manifestations are diverse and include coughing and wheezing, nausea, dizziness or vertigo, nodules or lumps, and seizures. As a result, Phlegm is implicated in all kinds of disorders, especially those that are difficult to diagnose and difficult to cure. This is one of the hallmarks of phlegm is difficult. Uh, it's, it's called the, the, the difficult pathogen. And so difficult to diagnose and difficult to cure, that's the, more, the bigger issue. Like blood, the body fluids are essential to life. And some degree of phlegm will therefore invariably be present in most people. Health fuss does not denote the complete absence of phlegm, but rather the ability of the body to transform or, if necessary, eliminate it. Illness only arises if the body fails in this task, as is explained by the Qing Dynasty physician Shen Jin-nao in Wondrous Lantern for Peering into the Origin and Development of Miscellaneous Diseases, or Zabing Yuan Liu Shi-ju which was written in 1773. When the inner classic, that's the Yellow Emperor's uh, internal classic or inner classic, uh, which is the oldest existing book in Chinese medicine about 200 years before before, uh, BCE. So when the inner classic talks about phlegm and thin mucus, it always cites damp earth as its cause. Thus from birth to death, a human being always has phlegm. It is all generated by the spleen and collects in the stomach so that one can say that the absence of phlegm in the body cannot enrich and moisten its physiological processes. It is only when it materializes to such an extent that its movement can no longer be fathomed that it becomes harmful. In other words, it stagnates things. The same idea is found throughout the classical literature and explains why strategies for the treatment of phlegm do not, on the whole, Focus on draining excess, but rather on regulating the qi dynamic. Uh, regulating, when we say regulating, means moving the qi dynamic. These principles were concisely summarized by the Ming Dynasty writer Wang Kun Tang indispens- in Indispensable Tools for Pattern Treatment or the Zhengzhir Jun Sheng, written in 1602. Those who are best at treating phlegm treat the qi instead of directly treating phlegm. When the qi flows smoothly, all the body's fluids will then flow smoothly. Accordingly, the primary so out of that quote, accordingly, the primary strategy for treating phlegm is to smooth the flow of qi and keep the passageways of qi, blood, and body fluids open. This is known as transforming phlegm or hua tan, which implies an effort. To, cha- to change pathological phlegm back into physiological fluids. So this is where that term transforming phlegm becomes really, really important. So when we're saying transforming phlegm, what we're saying is we're trying to keep the flow open. We're, we're regulating moving the qi. We're opening up the blood, you know, moving the blood and, and, and allowing the blood and the body fluids to, to move freely. That's what watan or transforming phlegm means. The most important formula used for this purpose is two-aged herb decoction, or er Tang, as we mentioned earlier. Many of the formulas discussed in this chapter are direct modifications or contain key ingredients of this formula or apply its principles of composition. And that is true for this one as well, the, the formula we're talking about today. Those formulas that are not built on two-aged herb decoction, Tang invariably use other qi-regulating herbs as key ingredients. Although there may be other contributing factors, the basis of all phlegm is disruption of the transforming and transporting functions of the spleen. This has been captured in a series of apt analogies by Ming Dynasty physician Zhang Jiebin in Collected Treatises of Zhang Jingyue, uh, also in Chinese Jingyue Chuan Shu, written in 1624. is from that ontology. Phlegm is simply the body fluids, which are themselves nothing but transformations of food and fluids. Since this phlegm is also a transformed substance, it cannot be classified as untransformed. But transformation, if normal, produces a strong body with flourishing nutritive and protective qi. In this case, uh, what would... In a pathological situation be phlegm is still normal blood and chi on the other hand if transformation proceeds abnormally the organ systems become disordered the body fluids fail and qi and blood then produce phlegm this is exactly like robbers and thieves creating chaos in society who are they but otherwise good people in a troubled world the rise of brigands In society, must of necessity be the consequence of malady in the governance of the country, just as the appearance of phlegm must result from infirmity of the primal chi. Strong people can eat and drink whatever they like, in whatever quantities, and everything they eat is duly transformed. We never see it becoming phlegm. It can be seen that hardly any of the phlegm under heaven is phlegm from excess, and also that hardly any phlegm should be attacked. To treat phlegm, we should treat the root. By gradually replenishing the basic root, phlegm will, without direct treatment, eliminate itself. That's really interesting. The second most important strategy for treating phlegm is tonification of the root. Most physicians interpret this as tonifying the transforming and transporting functions of the spleen and stomach. For this reason herbs that strengthen the spleen are included in almost all of the formulas discussed in this chapter some such as zhang Jiebin cited above consider the kidneys to be even more important because of their key role in regulating the fluids warming fluids that tonify the ministerial fire at the gate of vitality and therefore augment the spleen yang are thus also sometimes used to treat phlegm directly, while a more indirect strategy is to tonify the kidneys with formulas such as six-ingredient pill with Romania, Liao Wei Diwan and kidney qi pill, Sheng Qi Wan. Other organ systems that are important in the treatment of phlegm are the triple burner and the lungs. This is because of their role in the regulation of water metabolism. Strategies for treating phlegm must also take into account the nature of its pathogenesis. When uh, When spleen deficiency leads to an accumulation of dampness that transforms into phlegm, the appropriate strategy is to strengthen the spleen, dry the dampness, and expel the phlegm. When heat from excess scorches the fluids and transforms them into phlegm, one should clear the heat and transform the phlegm. When the lungs are dry and the yin is deficient, and fire from deficiency transforms the depleted fluids into phlegm, one should moisten the lungs and transform the phlegm. In other words, it's important to do proper diagnosis here. When fire burns up the fluids in the channels and precipitates the formation of rubbery nodules or masses, one should cool the fire and transform the phlegm. When cold injures the upper or middle burners and causes the fluids to congeal, one should warm the cold and transform the phlegm. And when phlegm is so severe that it disturbs the qi mechanism such that tremors or seizures ensue, the proper strategy is to transform the phlegm and extinguish the wind. Historically, the explanation of these treatment strategies and the classification used to organize the formulas in this chapter mainly occurred after the Song era. The term phlegm or tan. Not appear in the inner classic and only appears in the compound term phlegm and thin mucus or tan yin in Essentials from the Golden Cabinet. So, Essentials from the Golden Cabinet uh, again, that was written I think around 200 300 uh, CE, and that is the oldest existing book on herbal formulas that we have. It's a very important foundational book for formulas. So, again, quite old. And uh, this is when we start to see the, the term phlegm and thin mucus, uh, tan yin. So, and, and thin mucus is considered physiological, not pathological. So therefore, um, in this context, it may be considered physiological, uh, this term. Going back to, the, to what the book says, the earliest differentiation between phlegm and thin mucus is attributed to the early seventh century text, discussion of the origins of the symptoms of disease where it is discussed in the context of pulse diagnosis. And they say, if the pulse is more wiry, it indicates phlegm. Floating and thin means thin mucus. The Song Dynasty work, Straight Directions from Yang Ren or Ren Zhai Zhe Zhe, written in 1264, distinguished between the two categories based on their nature and pathogenesis. Defining phlegm as a more dense, thick and turbid substance produced by excess dryness and warmth. And thin mucus is more clear and thin produced by excess cold and dampness. Another difference is that thin mucus is perceived to be more localized phenomenon, while phlegm is often viewed as neither fixed in form nor location. These attributes are summed up by Ling um, Pei Keen, Ling Pei Keen, In treatment decisions categorized according to pattern, the Lai Zhang Zai, written in 1839. So this is almost modern. As a rule, clear and thin is thin mucus. Thick and turbid is phlegm. Thin mucus accumulates only in the stomach and intestines, while phlegm can follow the rise and fall of qi to reach anywhere in the body. So that's the quote from that book. Although, Although these distinctions remain current today, they are less easily made in actual clinical practice. Throughout the classical period, the two terms were thus frequently used interchangeably, sometimes within the same sentence or paragraph, and the realities of the clinic continue to defy today's more stringent efforts at systemat- systematization. Systema- I can never say that word, systematization. System- systematization. Systemization. There we go. Ish. Okay. Um, uh, finishing up this, this stuff on formulas that dispel phlegm. So dampness, for instance, is a major cause not only of thin mucus, but also of phlegm. And thin mucus often manifests with symptoms such as dizziness, insomnia, palpitations, or headaches. For all of these reasons, formulas that are used in the treatment of phlegm disorders are found in many other chapters and many other approaches as well. So that's sort of the the big category of dispel phlegm. But now let's specifically talk about the category of fo- subcategory of formulas that moisten dryness and transform phlegm. And like I said, this is really the only formula in this category. So everything here is very specific to this formula that we're talking about today. So this type of formula, the formulas that moisten dryness and transform phlegm is used in treating phlegm dryness that manifests as viscous, sticky sputum that is difficult to expectorate dryness of the mouth and throat, and often a raspy voice. Dryness can penetrate directly from the exterior to damage the body, body fluids, although more often fire is the primary cause. In a dry environment, patients tending toward yang excess are most likely to develop dry pathologies. This type of pathology also occurs as fire from constraint, often due to emotional causes which damages the body fluids. Because the lungs are responsible for directing the body fluids downward, and yet are also the tender organ, that's a, a quote attributed to the, to the lungs, they are the first to suffer from such a disorder. Damage to the lungs' clearing and downward directing functions by dryness causes the fluids to stagnate, while fire condenses them and thereby reduces their volume patients with yang excess, the fluids are already relatively deficient. Together, this process produces phlegm dryness. In addition to the symptoms outlined above, the pulse will tend to be thin and slippery, and the tongue coating will be thick but dry. This helps to distinguish patterns of dryness from those of yin deficiency that often present with similar symptoms. The difference is that yin deficiency invariably implies yang excess. Thus, there will be signs of fire from deficiency, such as heat in the five centers or night sweats, which are absent in patterns of dryness. On the other hand, patterns of dryness are often accompanied by stagnation of fluids, that is, phlegm, which does not occur as readily in yin deficiency patterns where the fluids are completely lacking, or there's not enough fluids to actually cause phlegm. In the treatment of phlegm dryness, emphasis is thus placed on moistening the lungs and transforming the phlegm using such herbs as Frutillarius bulbus or bemu and Trichosanthus fructus lo. Those are our two big herbs in this formula. Bitter cooling substances and those that are very moist and cloying, on the other hand, are to be avoided. The former damages the spleen and stomach. The latter causes the qi and fluids to stagnate both conditions will tend to aggravate the production of phlegm. Thus, yin tonifying substances such as asparagi radix, Tianmendong, actually asparagus, Ophiopagonus radix, Maimendong, or romania radix preparata, or shudiwang are generally contraindicated to treat phlegm dryness. Even though all of them have some moistening aspects, it's not about moistening. It's more about the yin deficiency those, that those are treating. Instead, Two other groups of herbs are frequently added to the formulas in this section. Herbs that regulate the qi and disseminate the lungs, such as citri reticulatae pericarpium, or Chen Pi, or platycodi radix jigong. Facilitating the lungs' clearing and downward-directing functions, these ingredients disperse the accumulation of phlegm, unblock the qi dynamic, and reinstate the normal dissemination of body fluids. We're gonna see that there are some of these in our in our at least one or two in our in our formula today. And then the second category that's frequently are herbs that clear heat and nourish yin, such as trichosanth- trichosanthus radix or tanhua fen or dendrobi herba shirhu. Clearing heat without inhibiting the qi dynamic, moistening the yin without generating phlegm, these herbs are used where heat has damaged the fluids. And again we're gonna see uh, Tianhua Fen in our formula today for just this reason. And without, with that as background as to what is phlegm and what we're doing when we're trying to moisten dryness and transform phlegm, let's talk about the formula and specifically let's talk about Chinese medical actions of this formula. And both um, Shide and his team and Chen and Chen uh, are, are very similar in, in their approaches. So Shide says it's Chinese medical actions this formula moistens the lungs, clears heat, regulates the qi, and transforms phlegm. Chen Chen say it moistens the lung, clears heat, and regulates qi and dissolves phlegm. So that regulation, regulating of qi is really important here, and it goes to what we've been talking about, that transformation of phlegm. That rather than trying to um, to dry out the phlegm or or, or we're trying to get the body's functions so that it will move in a normal way. So what are some of the Chinese medical indications for this? Scheid says this formula can be used for cough with deep-seated sputum that is difficult to expectorate, wheezing, a dry and sore throat, a red and dry tongue with white coating, and a rapid and thin but strong or slippery pulse. This condition is caused by dryness in the lungs that injures the fluids and causes phlegm. This type of phlegm is referred to as phlegm dryness and is manifested as coughing with deep-seated sputum that is difficult to expectorate. The phlegm interrupts the flow of lung qi which results in coughing and wheezing. The dry pathogenic influence attacking the lungs also causes a dry, sore throat. Red and dry tongue with coating and the rapid and thin but strong or slippery pulse reflect the presence of dryness and phlegm in the lungs. Chen Chen also similarly say it can be used for lung dryness with phlegm accumulation, uh, which has symptoms of coughing thick sticky sputum that is difficult to expectorate rate and dry throat. So very much in line with what Shai does. Uh, Shai is a little bit more, uh, um, uh, has more to say about it, but they say pretty similar things in their Chinese medical indications. So what is the history of Bemugualosan? Uh, both Shai and Chen Chen both agree the source for this formula is Yishui Xin Wu by Chengguo Guopeng. In 1732, so first of all, let's, let's just break that down for a little bit. So often we see discrepancies between China and Chen, and Chen. So it's always nice when they agree on when the first book is. And uh, we don't have to be Chinese historians to figure out which is correct or not correct. Um, the other thing to, to look at here is e- this is 1732, which in Chinese herbology is, is relatively late in Chinese herbology. Um, Not that there aren't lots of formulas that that came out around this time and we have the Wen bing theory uh, Which we haven't really talked about in in uh, superbserves, but we will at some point, uh, which was really everywhere from uh, around the 1600s through the 1800s or so so um, this might I I don't think this is part of the Wen bing theory, but it might be I should have looked that up didn't occur to me Uh, so but in the, in the history of, of Chinese formulas, this is a relatively late development in, in formulas. Uh, they do differ in their translation of the title. So both say it's Yi Shui Xin Wu, but Shai translates it as awakening of the mind in medical studies, while Chen and Chen's translate it simply as medical revelations. So interesting, just slightly different translations there. That... Let's talk about the ingredients in this formula. There's, there's not a whole bunch, there's, there's a handful of ingredients here. And the first one, as you might expect, is going to be uh, the first one in the, in the formula, which is be, in the formula is guemugalaosone. So the first, uh, the, the first herb here is mu or Fritillarius bulbus. And we're supposed to use 4.5 grams of this. And remember, this is a powder, So, but we're gonna talk about how we're gonna prepare it in just a bit. Um, but that might be a little bit small for a decoction, um, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. And uh, mu is from the herbs that cool and transform phlegm heat. So again, cooling is important here to a certain extent, and of course we're transforming that phlegm. Its functions include clearing heat, transforming phlegm, and clearing heat and dis- dissipating nodules. And for this formula, the actions of fritillaria bulbus mu, the chief herb, encompass all of the primary aspects of this formula, moistening the lungs, opening constraint, transforming phlegm, and stopping the coughing. It also clears heat and directs heart fire downward, thus treating one of the key causes of phlegm dryness. So this this herb alone is just really spectacular for this. The second herb is the second herb in the name, gualo. So it's Trichosanthus fructus or gualo. We need three grams of this, and it is also in the in the category of herbs that cool and transform phlegm heat. Its functions include clears heat, transforms phlegm heat, unbinds the chest and dissipates nodules, and reduces abscesses and dissipates nodules. By the way, when I repeat myself like that, it's part, you know, they, they often will connect them up in the books with sort of their function, and then the dissipating nodules are secondary from them. So it unbinds the chest, Dissipates nodules and it reduces abscesses and dissipates nodules. So, those are from the book. So, in this, in this formula, the deputy Trichosanthus fructus gualo, which clears heat, moistens dryness, regulates the chi, and leads turbid phlegm downward in order to remove the obstruction from the chest and diaphragm. So, that's, that's it. Those are the two main herbs. We have the chief herb, Beimu, we have the deputy herb, Gualo. And all the rest of the herbs that we're going to be talking about, and I think there's three more, are serving as assistance to this formula. So the first assistant is Trichosanthus radix, Tianhua fen. We are going to be using 2.4 grams of it. And this is in in the category of herbs that drain fire. So it drains heat and generates fluids, clears and drains lung heat, transforms phlegm, and moistens lung dryness. Resolves toxicity and expels pus. So that's the, That's the functions of this. In this formula, trichosanthus radix Tian Wafen, clears heat, generates fluids, and transforms phlegm. It thus tonifies the physiological body fluids without generating more phlegm. Our next herb, super important herb, is Poria or Fu Ling. Uh, and it's 2.4 grams, we're using that. And this is uh, in the herbs that drain dampness, not only in the herbs that drain dampness, it's probably, um, if not the most, very close to the most important herb that drains dampness. And its normal functions are it promotes urination and leaches out dampness, strengthens the spleen and harmonizes the middle burner, strengthens the spleen and transforms phlegm, and quiets the heart and calms the spirit. The combination of ling, which strengthens the spleen, and Situ Reticulate ex- Excarpium Rubrum, or Chu Huang, which is the next herb we're going to talk about, which regulates the Qi, is used here to support the spleen's functions of transportation and transformation. This is important in treating phlegm dryness because a healthy spleen will transport physiological fluids to the lungs to ensure their moistening, while assisting in the transformation of pathological dampness and phlegm. There you go, that's fuling. And our last herb in this formula, actually there's another one after this, is Citri reticulata Ex- exocarpium rubrum Huang Again, we're using 2.4 grams, and this is in the herbs that regulate qi. And used primarily for vomiting and belching and treating phlegm damp coughs, that's its normal functions, uh, along with regulating qi, and as we, we already, we just mentioned this is being very helpful with uh, the transformation of phlegm as well. And our last herb in this formula is Radix radex jaegong. Again, 2.4 grams. And this is in uh, the category of warm herb that transforms cold phlegm. So this is the opposite of the two main herbs that we have. Those were both cool herbs that transforms warm phlegm. This is a warm herb that transforms cold phlegm. And we often do that in Chinese herbology to make sure that we don't overly cool or warm or go up or down. Some sort of opposite. We'll put in the opposite herb to kind of prevent that. So traditionally, this herb opens up and disseminates the lung chi, dispels phlegm and benefits the throat, pushes out pus, and opens up and raises the lung qi while also directing the actions of other herbs to the upper regions of the body. It's a great herb for setting things up. Platycardia radix gong encourages the proper flow of lung qi and treats problems of the throat. And that's its functions within this, this formula as well. All of these assistant herbs, or four of them, reinforce the actions of the chief herb that's where that comes into play. So really uh, very helpful. This is a, a nice compact formula that does a lot. So how do we prepare this formula? Shide et al. say decoction is the method of preparation and Fritillaria serose bulbus mu is the former Fritillaria bulbus beimu that is generally used Moistens better than Fritillarius thumbergia bulbus, or ja beimu. So beimu is sort of a, an overarching type of herb, and there's two ma- major types of beimu. There's chuan beimu and ja beimu. We should be using chuan here. Because of the relative expense of this herb, it often is administered as a powder with an appropriate reduction in dosage, usually one-fifth of the raw herb, to be taken with the strain decoction, and it is a very expensive herb. Um, I do um, I, I I do most of my herbs with granules these days, and uh, Chuanbei Mu is right up there with maybe not as much as some good ginseng, uh, but you know a, a hundred grams of it, which is not is a bottle of it. I think is running like eighty bucks or something like that. It's really expensive. It, it, just to give some context, there, sort of the average, I would say, for a uh, hundred gram bottle is going to be anywhere from eight to twelve bucks. Uh, and sometimes a little bit less, sometimes a little bit more. So an eighty dollar bottle is a lot. Because of the real oh said that, and Chin and Chin agree that this formula should be taken as a decoction. Those doses seem a little small for me for as a decoction. Um, so I me personally, I might raise them a little bit, but. Uh, the proportion is about right. Okay, Commentary on this formula. According to Scheid and and his team, this formula was composed by the 18th century physician Chong Guopeng, which we just talked about, for the treatment of phlegm dryness. Previously, such disorders had been differentiated according to a scheme based on the five organ systems. Li Zhang Ziz, Li Zhong Zi. that's the possessive analysis of phlegm dryness in required readings for the medical tradition of Yizong Bidu in 1637 is a typical example of this earlier system. Phlegm associated with the lung channel is called phlegm dryness. This pattern manifests with a rough pulse, white complexion, ascending qi that leads to wheezing and urgent breathing, shivering with fever and chills, sadness, worry, and unhappiness, and phlegm, that is rough and difficult to expectorate. Chung Guopeng proposed to replace this system with a new and simplified scheme that differentiated only between phlegm dampness, easy to bring up and associated with the spleen, and phlegm dryness, difficult to bring up and associated with the lungs. Each of these two disorders was then further differentiated into patterns of excess or deficiency. In terms of treatment, Cheng suggested two aged herb decoction, Tong, and six gentleman decoction, Liu Junzitong, as key formulas for the treatment of phlegm dampness. And this formula and six flavored pill with Romania, Lio Wei Diwangwang, as the basic formulas for phlegm dryness. This formula can thus be regarded as a variation of two aged herb decoction, Tong, with the substitution of herbs that moisten and transform phlegm, such as fritillaria. Bol- fritillaria um, bulbous baymu and trichosanthus radix tianhua fen for the acrid-warming Penelia rhizoma preparatum gerban sha. Although the source text does not specify the type of fritillaria bulbus baymu to be used, it is generally assumed that fritillaria serosa bulbus chuan rather than fritillaria thumbergi bulbus ja is the better choice, as we just mentioned. Although both herbs cool and transform phlegm heat and alleviate cough, Fertularia serosa bulbous mu is bitter, but also sweet, which moistens the lungs. It is thus better for the dry cough treated by this formula. Moreover, in treatment strategies and formulas in Chinese medicine of Zhang Yiju Fai Yi Fangji, written in 1995, the contemporary physician Chen Chaozhu suggests adding armenaceae semen, or Xing Ren, that's uh, apricot pit, uh, in order to improve the formula's downward directing function and to double the original doses, dosages for an even better effect. So, like I was saying, it's the doses seem a little bit low. There are several modifications for this formula, according to Scheid. for severe coughing and wheezing at Armanaceae Semen Shingren. That's what we just talked about. Aerybatre folium pipae, That's loquat uh, leaf. And for farae floss, hua. For a concurrent exterior condition, add Mori folium or Sangye, Arminaceae, Siemens, Xingren, um, Pusidani radix, and anarctii fructus, niobangzi. For hornis, hoarseness and blood streaked sputum, remove Citri Reticulati ex- exocarpium rubrum to ju- Juhuang. Ju-Hong, excuse me, and add Glenia adenophore radix, Sha-Shen, Ophiopagonus radix, Maimendong, phrag- Phragmitis, Rhizoma lugan, Nagrimonia, Herba, Shen he sao And finally, with Shide for more severe dryness and sore throat, add Scrophularia radix, Shen, ophiopogonus radix, Maimendong, and Anamorina uh, rhizoma germu chen chen add a, a few more several more uh, with exterior wind invasion add sangye folium morae um ren semen Arminaceae amarum Qian hu radix Pusidani, andio fructus arctii with voice hoarseness or so similar but a little bit different with voice hoarseness or blood streak sputum due to yin deficiency add sha shen uh, radix clinias su Maidong, or Maimendong, radix of Ophiopagonis, Lugen, rhizoma phragmitis, sao, Sao herba agrimonia, so very similar. Muhu Die, which is semen or Oxley, and Chen sao radix at rhizoma rubiae, and remove Zhu Huang exocarpium situeritoculae. So similar, but a few extra herbs. For cough with thick yellow sputum, add Huanglian, rhizoma coptis, Chirza fructus gar, uh, gardeniae, uh, Dan Dananching Combile, Combile, uh, and gan and Goncao uh, radix rhizoma glycyrrhizae—that's licorice. Remove Tianhua fen radix trichosanthus, Fuling poria, and Jiaogang radix platycodontis. So we're getting into some pretty major modifications here. There's still two more here. With dry itchy throat, add qianhu, radix pusidani, and Yobangza, fructus arctii. And with dry mouth and sore throat, add chuan Shen, Radix uh, scruff Scrofularia, uh, D Huang, Radix Romania, Maidong or Maimandong, Radix, Ophiopagonis, and Lugen Rhizoma Fragmitis. So comparisons. Uh, Scheid compares these to two formulas, two other formulas. The first is actually um, he has two sets. So there's um, one set is comparing three different formulas, including ours, and the other one is, is one other. So uh, the first set is mulberry leaf and apricot kernel decoction, or sang xing tang. That's that apricot kernel we were just talking about, so you can see that plays a big role here. And the other formula that's compared with our formula is clear dryness and rescue the lungs decoction, or qing zhao tang. So beimu gualo san. Mulberry leaf and apricot kernel decoction, sang xing tang, and clear dryness and rescue the lungs decoction, qian xiao, jie fu, fei tang, all treat dryness patterns with herbs that moisten the lungs and stop coughing. However, beimu guala san focuses on phlegm obstructing the lungs and thus equally emphasizes the transformation of phlegm and the moistening of dryness. There we go. The other two formulas are indicated for warm pathogen dryness disorders and thus combine the clearing of heat with the moistening of dryness. Sang Xing Tang treats patterns of dryness in the exterior that constrain the lung qi and cause coughing. Accordingly, its main focus is on venting the exterior and its ability to transform phlegm is not very pronounced. Qing Jie Jiao Fei Tang treats patterns of dryness that have penetrated deeper into the lungs and damaged the fluids. Thus, in addition to clearing heat and moistening dryness, it also enriches the fluids. So those are those three being compared. Now, the, the other one is, is uh, lily bulb decoction to preserve the metal, or Baihe Gujin Tang. Both of these formulas treat lung dryness with phlegm. However, Bemu gualosan primarily transforms phlegm and is used when the phlegm is severe. The dryness is not intense, and the yin is not yet deficient. By contrast, um, Baihu Gujintang bai, bai gu focuses on moistening the lungs and is used when the dryness is more severe than the phlegm and the yin is already deficient. And we did talk about that formula in an earlier Sperbs Herbs. All right, so biomedical indications. Scheid says this, uh, with the appropriate presentation, this formula can be used to treat pneumonia and pulmonary tuberculosis. And Chen Chen say it can be used to treat bronchitis, sore throat, and dry cough. Um, I got to be honest with you, pneumonia and pulmonary tuberculosis totally get where this formula would be very good for it. Um, for malpractice issues, I probably would be a little bit circumspect about using it for that. If it doesn't um, deal with the pneumonia properly, uh, your patient go downhill really fast. And so um, just, I'd be cautious. The science is actually difficult to find behind this, Chen Chen, when which normally has a good list of scientific uses of a particular formula, has nothing listed for this formula. And I did a Google Scholar search and um, there were no scientific studies I could find for this formula. So not well researched. So there's an opportunity for those of you who are looking for, for a research topic. This might be one of them. Uh, so not a lot to add with the science on this one. Drug herb interactions. We do have a little bit of a concern. Chuanbei mu or Fritillaria cirrhosa bulbous appears to inhibit P-glycoprotein, an important transporter, uh, which is a prime target for drug research right now, as it is considered to have a large impact on drug drug interactions and is involved with multi drug resistance. So, uh, some some potential drug herb interactions. I think overall probably not something we have to be too worried about, but we need to at least be aware of that there's an issue here a potential issue here for a drug herb interaction there are uh, some minor concerns here Scheid had one uh, and they say contraindicated for cough due to yin deficiency so just having yin deficiency is not is not good this formula while it moistens it also transforms phlegm and it doesn't help yin deficiency so not good to use in yin deficiency uh chen are similar it's contraindicated for cough due to kidney yin deficiency deficiency heat rising, which is a manifestation of yin deficiency as well. In general, when used appropriately, this formula seems quite safe. So even if we don't have a lot of scientific studies saying, hey, this is a great formula, at least we know it's not going to hurt anybody. So that was our episode today. So in summary, so uh, we talked about um, Bemugualosan, the formula for treating phlegm dryness. We started by discussing the Chinese creation myth about Pangu, and then we got into the formula, including its ingredients, commentary, the science, our concerns and cautions, as well as its potential drug interactions. And we learned this formula is good at transforming phlegm by treating qi and helping the organs do their proper jobs while also moistening. All in all, another exploration of an interesting and useful Chinese formula. In two weeks, we are going to be looking at something a little different, the category of formulas that release exterior when cold. This is an important category that helps us treat certain types of colds. We will revisit the different types of colds and how to tell them apart. And then we will give an overview of the category and the formulas in it, as well as when to use them. And as always, we will look at something a little different. Join us in two weeks for for another interesting episode, thank you very much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. If you like this podcast, do us please do us a humongous favor: give us a five star rating in your favorite podcast app. We would be super appreciated, appreciative of that. Thank you, and remember you can get CUs and NCCOM PDA, so that's Continuing Education Units and National Certification Commission of Acupuncture Oriental Medicine. Professional development activities at www.integrativemedicinecouncil.org, and if you want that special and that really cool that really cool, uh, that really cool uh, course that I have, why not? How do herbs work? You want to just put a slash why at the end of www.integrativemedicinecouncil.org, and that's counsel, council c o u n c i l. And you can always get in touch with me at Dr. Greg at spurbsherbs.com or at our website, www.sperbsherbs.com. Thank you very much. And as usual, we have our bibliography. Sperbs Herbs. Herbs. The proceeding was presented by Dr. Greg Sperber. We would like to thank Janelle for all her support and everybody else who contributed to this program. Janelle, Timothy, Timothy. Nick, Roger Campbell.